0: morning, but Philippians 1 uh, verses 12 through 18 is our scripture this morning, so I'm going to read that um, from the Word of God here. It says this, verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we have together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you for salvation. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to worship and give you praise and glory and honor. So, Lord, bless our time here this morning. Lord, let us hear from your word. Lord, let your spirit speak. Let your spirit move this morning. Would you say we pray? Amen. You may be seated. Uh, like Brandon said, Kyle is on a sabbatical for the next three weeks. He'll return on Palm Sunday. Um, So if anyone came hoping to see him, sorry, that's just how it is. It's kind of like if you're a really, really big NFL fan and the season's over, but the XFL is on, right? Less entertaining, but still works, right? That's what we have here, right? So uh, we're glad everyone is here this morning, and as you saw, we're going to continue on Uh, Nonetheless, in our series in Philippians, and I will say, I I had this uh, super uh, long—I'll call it a Kyle-esque introduction—but I kind of just last minute decided just to scrap that completely. So, what we're going to do this morning, we're just going to jump straight into the text uh, and just kind of break it down uh, as we walk through it. Which means, hopefully, uh, I won't be as uh, wordy as Kyle. Right? Remember, XFL—less entertaining. Less time, but lunch sooner. So that's our goal for the day. All right, so uh, uh, don't forget, right? remember, so here we are in Philippians. Philippians was written to the church at Philippi, and Paul was in prison in Rome. That's going to be a big emphasis on the verses today. Paul's imprisoned in Rome. So right there, we're going to jump straight into verse 12. It says this in Philippians 1. It says, I want you to know brothers. All right. so stop right there, brothers. So he's addressing the whole church here. When he says brothers because if you look back up in verse one of philippians one this is the only letter right the only one of paul's church epistles that he is greeting the overseers and the deacons and the saints so he's he's talking about the whole church Now, there's other letters he says saints and he means the whole church but he's like hey i'm specifically addressing everything in this right because paul paul had a special relationship with everyone there at philippi He, he remembered the saints there He helped plant that church early on in his ministry. He had a very unique experience in Philippi, and you can read that in Acts 16. So he he really has an affection, right? He has a love for this church. So when he says brothers, when he's addressing them, he's like, hey, listen to this. Let's go on in verse 12. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Paul's life, Paul's life was committed to the advancement of the gospel. So he kind of like rushes in this letter, and he just says, hey, I know you heard something about me about prison, but don't worry about that. That's not important. That's not important. What's important is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, if someone was reading this letter, be like, wait, 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 hold on, Paul. It would be like if you received a collect call, and it says, hello, you got a call from whoever you may know, Scott, from a federal federal penitentiary. And you'd be like, accept? And you get on the phone, and the person's like, hey, they're like, wait, are you in jail? Like, no, 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 don't listen. Listen to this story. This guy in my cell, I witnessed to him. Like, we're talking about Jesus. And they're like, wait, why are you in jail? You're like, no, listen, you're missing the point. This guy, Butch, he's a murderer. But don't worry about that. Listen, we were talking about Jesus. You would be a little taken back if you were they are Like, listen, we need to jump back and talk about why you are in prison and why you're calling me collect. You you would want to know that Paul's like, listen, that doesn't matter. Why I'm in prison doesn't matter. The fact that I am prison is an opportunity for the gospel. That's what's most important. So he's like, listen, let's let's be joyous in the faith. Above all else that is going on in my life, he is joyful at what? That the gospel is advancing. That Christ is being made known. In spite of very unusual circumstances, in spite of what they may have heard of what's going on, that he he could be killed in prison, that he could be executed, all that stuff. He's like, listen, don't worry about that. He just kind of moves right past it. He's like, listen, boom. For the advancement of the gospel. That's what it's all about. But he does go on to share just briefly, right, how the gospel is being advanced. And in doing so, what he's doing, he's also encouraging the church in their own work of the gospel. So what has happened is is Paul is using an example of how God's plan for your life has purpose. It was God's plan for Paul to go to prison. He's like, listen, your life has purpose. And how the gospel, right, and how people and their circumstances around you are opportunities for that gospel. The people that are surrounding you, the circumstances in your life, where you work, where you're put, those are opportunities for the gospel. They're opportunities to declare Christ. And so Paul is sharing that experience. He's like, listen, this is a challenge to advance the gospel. And he uses that word, he uses that word advance very purposefully because in the greek that word meant to move forward with obstacles so he wasn't just using like a simple word of like to take a step forward or progress he's not always he talking about like easy motion this is this is a military term that he used that meant hey the next steps were bound to encounter hindrances you're going to run into difficulties You're going to have interference. You're going to have trouble advancing, but yet do so with joy. He's like, let's advance the gospel. And so in this, he's like, listen, this is what happens. It's for the advancement of the gospel. And so he goes on and he mentions four things. We have four things this morning that can help us overcome the obstacles that we may face in advancing the gospel. He's like, listen, you're going to encounter these things. You're going to encounter obstacles. No matter what, they may be They may be different for every person. You're going to encounter things when you try to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember, the world hates Christ. The world hates the gospel. Why? Because they hated Christ first. But he's like, be encouraged in this. So he tells them about what's going on in Rome and uses that as an encouragement for them. So number one, that he used as encouragement. He's like, advance the gospel. He says, number one, with confidence. Advance the gospel with confidence. With confidence. He says this in verse 14. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment. Having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment. And that confidence he's talking about, that is rooted in faith. Follow me here, we're going to make this connection. How many of you, how many of you love to be right? Thank you. You who are not raising your hand, we can overpower you. Why? Because we're right. Listen, my, you can ask my wife, my favorite thing in this world is to be right. And it just so happens, I always am. It, I don't know how that happens. It just is. But no, listen, I, it's a thing, right? If you're in a discussion, if you're in a discussion with someone and you know you are right, I mean, you're like, I, I, know, I know I am right. And I'm not talking about opinions. I'm talking about like factual evidence. You're like, listen, I know I am right. If you're in that discussion, you will argue, right, to the death. You will argue and prove that your position is correct why well because you have full confidence you have full assurance you have full conviction that what you know is the truth i know i am right and so i'm going to defend that all right now take that now apply it to defending the gospel of jesus christ if you have confidence in knowing that the gospel is truth then you will defend your position you will defend your commitment to the gospel and so let's make this connection here it is in hebrews 11:1 now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen so our confidence if it's rooted in faith what is faith faith is assurance faith is conviction So if we are to advance the gospel, if we are to defend the gospel as truth, we must have an assurance. We must have a conviction of that truth. We must be confident of that truth in our lives. So your your confidence is rooted in your faith. So the stronger my faith, the stronger my assurance, the stronger my conviction, then the stronger my confidence is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So all of that, right, all of that is centered on what? It's centered on knowing God's word. Go to Romans 10, 17. It says this. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Right? And let's make sure that we we know what those words are saying. That phrase there that he's using for hearing, listen, it's far more than just an audible sound. When he says faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God, he is talking about belief. This means hearing. This means receiving. This means believing that God's word is truth. Faith comes by the belief. The belief in hearing God's word and hearing the word of Christ. So we can't gain confidence if we're only just hearing God's word once a week. If we're only just hearing from it every now and then. No. No, he's listening, he's like, listen, you have to believe this, you have to receive this. We have to be students devoted to the word of Christ. That's the ultimate source of truth that we have in the scriptures. That's our ultimate source of knowledge concerning the gospel. And in our student ministry, we're learning this right now in our series that we're going through, that God's word is ultimate truth. And that word is vital for our defense of our faith. You must know the truth. I told them when we started, I was like, listen, if you go to Ephesians, and that, that's where we're basing our, our series off. If you go to Ephesians and it talks about having a defense right there on the armor of God, you're given a lot of defensive things. You're given one offensive weapon, and that is the word of God. So I tell them, I was like, listen, you need to stand strong on your foundation. You need to have plenty of defense in that. But when the world, when culture tries to knock you off that foundation, when they try to knock you back, right? We use the word of God to gain back our position, to gain back our feeding and our foundation. That's why it's mostly a defense, but the word of God is that offense. If we gotta gain that ground back, right? We have to prepared to use that offensive weapon that is the sword. We have to have confidence in that confidence in our faith we have to know the word of god and that confidence is rooted in your faith in knowing the word of god right but we will only we will only advance the gospel if we are confident right in that message of hope right does that ring true to you in your life do you hold that as ultimate truth in that man if you have confidence in that right, and you know you are right that's that's boom you will argue to the death, you will defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. You will advance the gospel. So number one, with confidence. Number two, with boldness. With boldness. It says this in verse 14. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, he goes on and says, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. To speak the word without fear. They are bold. And listen, I know boldness it is similar to confidence, but they do have their differences. They are related, but different. So if we, if we put a definition on confidence, say confidence right, is an inward knowledge. So, so the more I grow in the Word of God, the more confidence, the more inward knowledge I have of the Word of God. And then boldness, boldness is the outward expression of that confidence. And Megan wanted you to know that she helped me out with that wording. Just wanted to say that. She's watching. So, confidence is the inward knowledge. Boldness is the outward expression of that confidence. So, how did these brothers in Rome, right? How did they gain boldness? What they do? They overcame fear. Well, fear of what? Well, for them, it was fear of persecution. Severe persecution. Right? Paul's, in, Paul's imprisonment it set an example that that prison only proved as an opportunity to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said that in verse 13. Philippians 1, it says this. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. He's like, listen, don't worry. Why? Because my imprisonment, the whole guard knows this. All the rest know that this is for Christ. Listen, the whole imperial guard. So so quick backstory to that, to Paul's imprisonment, right? It's a lengthy story in Acts, uh, I think it's like 22 through 28, his imprisonment. But basically, how they did this in Rome was for most of the prisoners, you were chained to a guard. You always had a guard with you at all times. And, and Paul was, was arrested outside of Rome and he had to travel back to Rome. And that's a that whole lengthy story. So he always had a guard with him. And then when he got to Rome, he was uh, under house arrest. It wasn't like we have house arrest, like an ankle, like, no. It was like severe, like house arrest for like two years. He was in house arrest in Rome. But he always had a guard with him. He always had a guard chained to him. So Paul's like, <laughs> I can't get away. But you can't get away. And so what am I going to do? I'm going to share Christ. And with every guard that rotated, every guard that came in, he was like, let's go. Let's pick up where we left off. Let's continue this conversation. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. So that's what he's talking about. He's like the whole imperial guard. And these words not just regular guards. The imperial guard were the Praetorians, right? They were, they were Caesar's personal guards. And so he has that opportunity. Paul continued to preach to every single one that had to watch over him. And so Paul's impact continued to grow. Then he says, hey, listen, it becomes known to all the rest. When he means all the rest, he's talking about most of Rome. Knows that this guy, Paul, is continuing on with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's really cool, at the end of Philippians... And at 4.22, he says this. He says, look, it even has reached Caesar's household. It says this in 4.22, the very end of Philippians. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Paul's boldness, he's like, listen, this is just another opportunity. And so that reached out to the church at Rome going, hey, we don't have to worry about the fear of persecution. Look what it can do for the gospel. It has reached Caesar's household. This is what the gospel can do. So Paul was emphasizing that his imprisonment wasn't a hindrance, but it was a God-ordained opportunity. Thus the declaration that fear has been overcome by boldness. So he says, listen, persecution, if encountered, it will only stand to further the gospel, not silence it. You can look at that through all of church history. Anyone who tried to stop the gospel of Jesus Christ, it only spurred it to grow further. And the early church, if you look at the early church, had some serious, had some serious, terrorizing fear to overcome concerning the persecution that they could receive. Paul's imprisonment was just a few years short of when Nero would come in and burn Rome. And he would blame the Christians for it. To the point where he was taking those Christians and shoving them on stakes and lighting them on fire. So they had some, they had some fear. They had some justifiable fear to overcome. But their boldness for the gospel, it caused a massive movement that no one can stop. So the question thus arises for us in a country, in a country where we do not experience persecution. Where's our boldness for the gospel of Jesus Christ? And listen, church, I I think we, me and Kyle and other pastors have said this before. Listen, when, when I, we prepare messages it hits us first and then we share it but it still it still hits and listen church of all the times all the times i've prepared a message this rings true to me far greater because i i would have to like shamefully admit that i do i do lack boldness for the gospel yes listen i can get up here i can get up here and, and preach god has gifted me in that but i'm not persecuted to do this i'm not going to walk off stage and get arrested i don't have a fear that my, my family will be kidnapped and beheaded or do anything listen we, we are free to gather like this in america so this isn't necessarily this isn't boldness and you probably assume well I'm, I'm a pastor right so so being a bold in evangelism would come easy for me but but it's not it's not. Sadly, listen, it's, it's the opposite. Because, because sometimes this, this position, right, this, this position of being a pastor and speaking publicly, I, in my mind I can justify it as, as an excuse to not evangelize more or not evangelize elsewhere. So when it, when it comes to evangelism, I, I'm, I'm shamefully timid. I don't know why. I have no excuse. I can't offer an excuse. And it's not confidence that I lack. I'm 100% confident in the gospel's truth. I can defend it very well. But for some reason, I lack boldness. And it's shameful. I've even known men. I've worked with men who were very bold. To the point where it's like unwavering. I served with a pastor in Georgia. Who, I mean, every opportunity. We, we would go out to eat, and it was a small town. You sit down at, at a restaurant, and he's like, uh, hey, I'll have water. Oh, by the way, do you know about Jesus? Like, it was just boom for him. We'd be like, hey, well, we're fixing to pray over our meal. Can we pray for you or anything? He always carried a track in his pocket, and he was just quick. And so I've stirred with men like that, and, and the thing is, what's even more sad is that th- there were times where for some reason I became, like, uncomfortable in those moments. Like, like awkward. I'm like, ah, I'll have the calzone. I just, I don't know why. I don't know why. It just became like, like I don't know if it was embarrassing or just. I don't know why. But, but, but I, I battle with that. It's truly a battle for me to do that. But, but I believe some, maybe many of you probably have that same battle. And, and to that I say, listen, we, we, must, we must bow down before God. We must beg, number one, for forgiveness. For forgiveness in that. But second, we must ask for boldness from God to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because as, as I started to dig into scripture and study this, I made a very obvious discovery. Almost every time that boldness is mentioned in scripture, it is paired with the Spirit, or with prayer, or with both. Meaning that the Spirit of God within a believer, that Spirit emboldens us through prayer. So perhaps many of us, including myself, maybe we don't have a boldness issue, but rather we have a prayer issue. It says this in Ephesians 6, 18-20 praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, this is Paul speaking, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains so that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is Paul himself Arguably the greatest missionary that's ever walked for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's asking the church. He's like, listen, I can't do this if you don't pray with me for boldness. This is a man who's gone through everything. He says that his body is scarred for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's sitting there going, listen, I need boldness. Pray for that in me. I want to declare this boldly. Acts four twenty-nine and verse 31 say this. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So it's prayer. It's the Spirit. This is Spirit-filled boldness. And so I challenge myself and I challenge you as well. Are we praying for boldness to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we praying for the Spirit to use us boldly for the gospel? Because probably like me, you may have great confidence. But without the boldness, that confidence can become self-serving. But rather that, that confidence... That confidence should be an uncontainable joy that comes from us. Let's go back to Acts 4. This is just before that. This is Peter and John speaking again. It says, but Peter and John answered them, right? So Peter and John are there in Jerusalem. They are preaching. This is just after the day. Pentecost, they are preaching the word of God. And the Sadducees, the Pharisees, still continue to give them a hard time, are trying to shut them down. They rest them. Then they realize, man, there's not much we can do. And they say this. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you, man, rather than God, you must judge. For we cannot but, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. So just after they got arrested, they're standing before them and they're like, listen, whatever you want to do, that's fine, but we cannot do anything but speak of what we have seen and heard from the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the confidence that should be uncontainable inside of us. Our confidence and joy in the gospel should fuel our prayer and desire to be bold in that. Let us pray. Let me pray for boldness, for boldness for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Move on. Number three, we advance the gospel with love. So first with confidence then with boldness, now with love. We advance the gospel with love. It says this in verse 15 and 16. Some indeed preach Christ from Indian rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. I right? have to add some more context to this. It's what Paul's talking about here. When he says some indeed, deed, pro, some, hit, hit, hit. good now some indeed preach Christ from envy and strife or envy and rivalry, right? So Paul, great missionary, great speaker, he has a following, he has a gathering, right? And he's still doing this from his house in there. But there were others in Rome that thought, oh. Paul's in prison, right? Kyle's on vacation. No, he's like, listen, some were thinking, ooh, Paul's in prison. This is an opportunity to grow our following, to, to gain people in this. We're, we're gonna preach. We're gonna preach the gospel in better than Paul. And so their motivation was out of envy and rivalry to Paul. They had become jealous of Paul. They'd become jealous of how good he was doing at his following. They wanted more followers than him. They wanted more likes than him. And so they did so out of envy and rivalry. That was some of them. We'll get back to them in just a minute. But there were others who were doing it from good will. Other, Other ones saw, oh man, Paul's in prison. This is, this is more me. Oh, Kyle's on vacation. I'll speak. Right. This is out of goodwill. Wink. No, it really is. Right. This is out of goodwill. So there were others that thought, "Oh man, Paul, our friend, our brother in Christ, he's in prison. We've got to continue on this gospel message. We have to continue on the defense of the gospel." And so we're going to focus on them right now. The latter. This is the latter. Do it out of love. And so, just one quick context. Right. Is yes. We are talking about sharing the gospel with love. We should kind of know that. We should do the gospel in a loving way. So 1 Peter 3.15 says this, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. The hope of Jesus Christ that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. That, That we should know. And that, that's a whole another message that we should know, right, that we should present the gospel with gentleness and respect. We don't yell at people or, like, push them down and hold them down and be like, I'm not going to let you up until you accept Jesus Christ. We don't know. It's like, listen, we, we should know that. But what Paul was saying here in the context of this verse in Philippians, Paul is speaking about a love for the gospel and a love for the church, So if we go back to verse 16, it says this, The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I, Paul, right, he was put there for the defense of the gospel. That's verse 16. He says, listen, the church, the church in Rome, knows that Paul is imprisoned. And therefore, unable to to participate and do his normal ministry in the city. Paul's still preaching. Remember, to the guards, everyone's knowing, they can still hear Paul preach. He's just on house arrest. So the other brothers there go, listen, we need to continue on his ministry. So the Roman brothers, right, those believers, the same ones who have confidence now, who have boldness, they are adding to Paul's effort of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're adding to the effort, because Paul's still going on. But out of love, they want to continue to see the church grow. So what does Paul, Paul sees more and more saints who are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, we ask ourselves today, what is our desire for the church? What is your desire to see from the church. Do you you just think that that proclaiming the Christ is is merely reserved for like a select few? And listen, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we as pastors don't don't have a responsibility in evangelism. We do. But, But I will say, I do believe it can be unhealthy for a church if there is a mindset that the sole responsibility of evangelism is reserved for the pastors. That's not going to be a healthy church. Because if it was solely for pastors, then the church would be greatly hindered if only the pastors were the ones responsible for that. But no, we can see in Scripture, listen, one of the main purposes of the church is to equip the saints for that work. Ephesians 4 11 and 12, say this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For what? For building up the body of Christ. So yes, he has gifted men, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. He gives them to do what? To equip the saints. Who's the saints? All believers are the saints. The people in the church are the saints. We've equipped them to do the work of ministry. For what? For building up the body of Christ. So what does it mean to equip the saints? It means discipleship, right? It means helping believers grow in their lore, grow in the knowledge of their faith. But just as important, just as important, right, are each of us pursuing sanctification? Not only in the church, but outside the church through your personal study. Yes, discipleship is important. That's how we grow the church. But your sanctification, you have a responsibility in that. The church plays a role in discipleship. But there's also a personal responsibility for you to devote yourself to growing in the Lord. You have a responsibility. You have a calling to be both someone who is discipled and to also help disciple someone. But I will say in that, and you discipling someone, you can only lead someone as far as you've gone yourself. You cannot lead someone beyond what your own faith has grown. So, this is why in discipleship, we have a personal responsibility of sanctification, of becoming more like Christ. We have a personal responsibility to continue to grow in our faith so we can pour into others. But guess what? While you are growing in your faith, you need to be discipled so there's someone help growing you. And they're growing themselves. <laughs> Run out of room. Let's start back down here, right? You're growing. Pouring, growing, pouring, growing, pouring. This is, this is discipleship in the church. This is how it works. We are discipled as pastors. This isn't the top. This isn't the pinnacle. Right? We need to be discipled. And then we also are discipling. But there's a personal responsibility in that. So if you don't have a love for the gospel, which drives you, to sanctify yourself then you can't be effective in discipleship and someone who is ineffective in discipleship is someone who can be a hindrance to the church we, we have we have mature believers in this church we have new believers in this church And the new believers can only do so much. They've only grown so far, so they need help in that. You can pour into them. You can help them grow as they are growing themselves. And then eventually, what that new believer can do, they can start pouring into another new believer. We can start growing in that. But if you're ineffective, you can be a hindrance. Ephesians 4, 13 through 16 says this. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Stop right there. This is is a a warning of going, you need to personally grow. Why? So you can be aware of false doctrine that tries to blow you to and fro by human Cunning by culture declaring, oh, this feeling, that feeling, this, that. No, we are aware of that. We're aware of false doctrines from false prophets. We're aware of culture and going, that's human cunning trying to cut down on Christ. We are aware of deceitful schemes. This is Ephesians 4. You get to Ephesians 6, it talks about the armor of God. He mentions that same word, schemes, again, the schemes of the devil, which are flaming arrows. He's like, listen, You need to grow in this to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Why? So you can know the craftiness of what the world is trying to do to bring you down. Verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. The head of the church. Verse 16. For whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped When each part is working properly, makes the body body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we equip the saints for the work of ministry. We disciple, we sanctify. For what? For building up the body of Christ. Why? Because we are joined together by every joint by which we are equipping each other. Why? So each part can work properly. That's how you make the body grow. Right? There, there's a uh, like a kind of like a running joke of like guys who have really big upper bodies, and their legs are like toothpicks. Right? And Job's like, you skipped leg day, bro. Right? Don't use me as an example. This is all just one blob. But right? Imagine. If I had Kyle's upper body, but still my legs. Now you got it, right? That's, that's not properly growing. He's like, no, listen, the whole body, the whole body is affected by this. The whole body is affected by your personal sanctification. The whole body is affected by discipleship. Why? So we can properly grow together. A love for the gospel. And a love to see the church grow is rooted in sanctification and discipleship. The body, like the church, it is less effective if there are parts that are not healthy. So every part needs to be healthy. Every part needs to be working properly. Every part needs to grow together. Every part needs to help grow each other. So that's what they saw in Rome. They're like, hey, one of our body parts is lacking because he's in prison. It's in chains right now. Let's pick it up. Let's have a love for the church. Let's see it continue to grow. We will continue with a healthy body. We will pick up in that. And so, for us, we cannot be the only ones. We equip the saints for the work of ministry. We also do ministry ourselves. Like I said, I am not. I am not out of the fact that I've lacked boldness in evangelism. That is a conviction of mine that I must. I must grow, that I must ask for forgiveness for. So we're not out of the pocket going, oh, no, we're good, they all have to do it. No, listen, we all work together. I am not the head of this church. Kyle is not the head of this church, not whatsoever. Christ is the head of this church. Kyle's a part of the body, just like you are a part of the body. And his health, your health, are dependent upon the health of the church. And so we need to do so That's how the body grows. That's how the gospel advances. Growth is rooted in sanctification and discipleship in that. Last one. Oh, look, it's only 10.15. we got plenty of time. No. Last one. Last one. We advance the gospel with confidence, with boldness, with love, and now with joy. We advance the gospel with joy. We advance the gospel with joy. He says this. In verse 17 and 18. The former, <clears throat> remember those former guys, envy and strife, envy and rivalry, right? The former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment, right? So we talked about those guys who were doing so. They're like, oh, Paul's locked up. Let's gain his followers. Let's grab those guys. They were doing so out of envy and rivalry. He's like, listen, they're not being sincere in this. They're doing so because of my, my affliction in prison what Paul says in verse 18, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I will rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Sometimes your Bible may knock down the yes, I will rejoice at the beginning of the next section. Right? But that, that's part of verse 18. And listen, this, this is a section where, where I hope you are hearing what I am saying more than hear what I am not saying. So what I'm not saying, what I'm not saying, I'm not saying that teaching a false gospel is okay. That's, that's not what this verse is. And I'm also not saying that teaching a watered-down gospel is okay. It's not saying that. A false gospel is a watered-down gospel is just as much as a false gospel. But what I am saying, what I am saying, is it possible, it's possible for people to be overly critical of a person or a message and miss the joy of the gospel. Paul himself, right? Paul himself, that's what he's trying to do in this verse. He's trying to ease the shock of, of, of the church at Philippi reading this letter, right? So he says, listen, Whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. They're like, what? He's like, yes, I will rejoice. Because news, listen, news travels fast. Well, maybe not as fast as it does now, but then it traveled. Okay, Um, right? So the church at Philippi, they had heard about these men in Rome who were taking advantage of Paul's imprisonment. These men who were using selfish ambition to grow their following. And Paul was well aware of this. Because Paul still had visitors that came to him. He saw visitors while he was in prison. Right? And it appears that they kind of let him know what was going on. And so I'm not adding to Scripture in any way, but my mind, how it needs to work, is I have to have an imagination in this. So what I imagine... Is Paul sitting there in house arrest? He has his guard, right? There's people coming. They're like, listen, Paul. He's like, what? What's going on? They're like, listen, there's these guys. They're preaching the gospel. He's like, okay. Well, what are they, is it a a false gospel? What what are they saying? They're like, no, listen, they are saints. Paul, oh, Paul, you won't believe this. They are saying that Jesus is Messiah and he's the only way to heaven. So Paul's like, "Mm, okay, yeah, let's rejoice. Let's rejoice in that. And they're like, well, well, Paul, they're they're doing it. He's like, listen, I, 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 I can understand that they have selfish ambition, but they're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he's saying, listen, I'm in prison. What then? What then? Paul's saying, listen, the gospel must continue. The gospel will continue in spite of Paul. And in that, he rejoices. And so, so I think, it, and you would put this context into modern times, Right? It can be difficult because we have so many churches. We have social media. right? We, we have televangelists. We have all this stuff going on. It's easy to become overly critical and forget to rejoice in the gospel. Once again, I'm not justifying a false gospel. I'm not justifying the prosperity gospel. Listen, th- those are false. And Paul, Paul is animate about not listening to a false gospel. Just go read some of the letters. Go read Galatians. Paul calls them out harshly. So Paul does call out false prophets. He does call out a false gospel. But what he says, he's like, listen, we must rejoice in the gospel. Man's motives, man's motives are between him and the Lord. And Paul says the same himself. He goes, my motives are between me and the Lord of what I'm doing this. But above all is the gospel being proclaimed. In that we must rejoice He wanted the church to not lose sight of the joy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So listen, no one pastor or or preacher or person is perfect. We know this. And so proclaiming the gospel is not about being perfect. It's about obedience. It's about obedience. So, So Paul understood that these men were not perfect in their motives of what they were doing. But the gospel was still being proclaimed, and in that he rejoiced. So Paul's simply saying, let's let's rejoice when the gospel is proclaimed. I think think too often we can become critical uh, of teaching styles. We can become critical of of performances within the church. I don't know what do we do. We, We lose sight of the gospel. We lose sight of the gospel. No no one should leave here, or any church in that fact, on, on a Sunday morning leaving and like are frustrated because they didn't like the songs. Or, or the music was too loud. Or the music wasn't loud enough. Or because of this. Or, or you start nitpicking a, a sermon apart. That's, that's what Paul's saying, he's like, listen, what, what happened to the rejoicing? Be, being overly critical, it's not rejoicing we're losing sight of the gospel that the church the church cannot cater to every single person's likes and wants in that instead what we should do listen we should rejoice that a church is actually proclaiming the gospel of jesus christ not a false gospel a true gospel we should rejoice that that a church is preaching from scripture and like i said it's It can be difficult in this time because there's so many churches. There's a church on every corner, especially here in the South. And so you're like, oh, that, that. Listen, people, people move churches. We've had people come here from other churches. We've had people go to other churches. We understand that happens. But if someone comes here from another church, we're not going to criticize the church. No, listen, what are we going to do? If a person comes here going, I'm in seek of something, I'm in need of something, we're going to go, brother, sister in Christ, let us fulfill that. Do you know the gospel? They're like, yeah, I know the gospel. I just want more. We're like, we let's go. Let's run with it. Right? That is what Paul's talking about. Rejoice in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need more rejoicing from within the church. And that joy, that, that joy springs from knowing the value of what God has given us. Do you know the value of the gospel of Jesus Christ? John 15, 11, Jesus says this. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The joy of Christ, of, one, of knowing what he has done for you, for his beloved. You were sinners. We were slaves to sin. We were trapped, we were away, we were shamed before God Almighty. And Christ comes. Christ comes, and He gives us love, grace, mercy. He took our debt on the cross, paid for our sins, and Christ says, "The joy of me doing that is the joy I want you to have and be full." Christ's joy within us. Do you understand? Do we understand? Do we grasp the value of having love and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ? That that is the gospel. Death to life. Slaves of sin. Freed in righteousness. That's That alone, that understanding should give you tremendous joy to continue to grow in Him. Knowing what Christ has done for us. Listen, that should be, that should be a great motivation for you to declare Christ. For you to proclaim the gospel. Uh, It's a a super old clip. I don't don't have it. but I'm going to tell you about. Um, Penn and Teller, the magicians, I can't remember which one it was. But he he put a clip out years ago on social media that kind of went viral. He was talking about after a show, some guy came up to him and witnessed to him, shared the gospel with him. And uh, I think it was Penn, was was telling about the account on there. He's like, listen, you know, he's like, he's a hardcore atheist. He's like, it's going to take more than one person to do this. But he was talking about how he was moved by this guy's motivation to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is known that he was an atheist. This guy knew he was an atheist. He's like, so I'm going to share Christ with him. But, but that magician was just saying on that video, he's like, he goes, that doesn't happen to me hardly ever. And he was talking about, he's like, listen, if, if you know someone is going to get hit by a bus, what is it going to take for you to push them out of the way? And that's the analogy he gave of this guy that guy witnessing. And like he said, he said, you know, he, he denied Christ in that. But no, he was talking about, he was moved by this guy's passion to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's like, man, just this is simpleness. Listen, in that same sense, you don't save anyone. Amen to that. We don't save anyone. The gospel of Jesus Christ saves people. But we carry that message. Because we've been affected by that. We are confident in what it has done for us. So, if you don't value the gospel, then you won't value the joy that comes with hearing it proclaimed. And, and we'll, we'll kind of continue and add on to this message next week as we talk about what we live for. But, church, let us be challenged, myself included, that no matter the obstacles, let us, let us advance the gospel with confidence in our faith, with boldness, with boldness given to us by the Spirit in prayer, with a love for the church, with a love to see it grow, and with a joy, just a pure joy for the gospel, for the value it has for salvation not only to yourself but to others and in that right and in that is how we should advance the gospel as a church as a people as saints as brothers of paul and many who have come before us let's pray